Welcome to the Niche Podcast, your weekly rundown of the biotech, pharma, clinical research, and life science industries. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, we have a special bonus interview with Danielle Coe, founder of Black Women in Clinical Research. The views expressed on the Niche Podcast are those of the host and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any organizations or companies with which they are affiliated. Danielle Coe started her career as a lab-based scientist. After learning from a friend about work in clinical research, she pivoted her goals. It wasn't immediate, but she eventually found her way into the industry and has forged a path on the site side of clinical research. Through the process, she was struck by the lack of women of color. To help decrease this gap and drive diversity through peer-to-peer support, Danielle created Black Women in Clinical Research. The goal? To help other Black women start and build careers in clinical research through community support, resume crafting, interview preparation, negotiation tactics for salary, and more. Danielle carved time out of her busy schedule to share her story. I really appreciate the way she's turned the challenges she's faced into solutions for others and her drive to provide practical solutions, not just ideas. Danielle, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me, Noah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have a conversation about your work uh, in advocacy for people engaging in clinical research and also hear a little bit more about your own story of how you got here. Um, maybe we should back up though and kind of start at the beginning because I, I think that's that's the foundation of so much of the work that you do. Can you tell me how did you first get involved in clinical research? So I remember running into a college classmate and she told me that she was involved in clinical research. And so she told me she gets to work from home and she gets to travel and it's flexible. And at the time I was working in a lab. So Mm -hmm. when I heard this, I immediately was uh, interested in um, clinical research. So I just remember it being very difficult to get into clinical research. And I, I recalled a lot of the job description said you only needed a bachelor's degree in biology, but mm-hmm. I was rejected left and right. So mm-hmm. I went on clinicaltrials.gov and found the nearest clinic to me and just mm-hmm. started cold calling the clinics and asked if I could do an internship or if I could shadow. And so from there, that's started my foundation of my experience, you know, how they consented patients and mm-hmm. their monitoring visits and, you know, looking at the EDC and CTMS and, you know, just really getting a, a strong, I would say, solid foundation And so from there, I used that internship to apply for a position as a clinical research coordinator. And so at the time, I really felt like it was divine intervention because I was a um, breast oncology clinical research coordinator and my grandmother Mm -hmm. had breast cancer. So it definitely made me feel connected to my service. And from there, I did three years there. And after that, I applied for a position at the time, it was a uh, cognizant, but it was an assignment with Google. Um, yeah. Ver- Verily does also does clinical trials. And yeah. so yep. that was with medical devices. And mm-hmm. after I did that position for a little while, I applied for a position at uh, PPD as a mm-hmm. remote site monitor. So currently mm-hmm. I'm a remote site monitor. So 
your friend told you about this industry and said, hey, look, this is super cool because I have flexibility and I have these opportunities. And at the time you're working in a lab and you're like, okay, I'm doing this daily grind or maybe you were even working night shifts. I don't know what your, your schedule was. And you felt like, hey, this presents a really cool opportunity. Is, is, were the kind of lifestyle elements what attracted you most or what was really drawing you into clinical research? Yeah, I definitely would say it was the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And with working in a lab, I recalled it the dungeon because it <laughs> oh was my gosh. it was in the basement. It, you know, we didn't really get to it was almost like we didn't really get to come up for air. Mm -hmm. So, you know, working long hours and that just at the time it got old, I guess yep. I should say. And totally. so I wanted to do something that was interesting. And, you know, clinical research wasn't a career option when I was in college. So, you know, to see someone who went to the same university as me and to talk about clinical research and and how much she enjoyed it, I yeah. definitely wanted to see if this is something that where I could have a career for myself. Yeah. One of the things you touched on there that I think is so uh, true for so many people is when you look at clinical research careers, especially early level, early kind of entry careers, especially on the site side. I mean, but also even on the, the corporate side, you, you, you sort of look at it, it's the descriptions are like, well, if you're educated, you, you know, you can do this degree. Like if you have a bachelor's degree, you can just kind of jump right in. But then I know for so many people trying to get into research, uh, into clinical research, that doesn't actually feel like the case. Can you talk a little bit more like why was it so challenging? I know for a lot of the positions, they want experience, people that have experience. But I mm -hmm. always felt, you know, during the time, how can I get this position if I if I don't have any experience, who's going to hire me? How do mm -hmm. I ever, you know, I guess I'm looking at it. How do I ever gain that experience if no yeah. one is willing to hire me? So, you know, not knowing at the time when it comes to the sponsors and that they're looking for, you know, specific people that have yeah. that industry experience. So I think a lot of people don't know about, I would say, what's happening in the background and what, you know, what are the, what are the applicants that they're really looking for? So not really having that information and not really having that knowledge and those resources. Mm -hmm. I think at the time you, I felt like, why am I being rejected? But mm -hmm. not really knowing the process of how the industry really works and how they're looking for experienced individuals to fill these roles. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I love that. Now, this is something that's really interesting to me. You, you, decided to look on clinicaltrials.gov and find a trial in your area. How did you, I mean, where did that idea come from? Cause I would definitely not have thought of that. Like I was just like, how did you come up with that kind of, yeah. So at the time, the clinical trials guru, he was doing a lot of YouTube channels and he was saying, mm, if you yeah. can't get into clinical research, this are, these are some options that you can do in order to get in. So uh -huh. I just remember watching his videos you know, and just trying to figure out how can I, how can I get in? How can I think outside of the box? Yeah. I love that. I, I love that like creative approach uh, to it. And today, I mean, today you're, you're a site monitor, right? It's, and, and what is that for people who don't know, what does that mean? Like, what does your day to day look like in terms of that role? So I am monitoring the clinical trials in-house. I'm on a lupus study. So 
pretty much um, making sure the data is clean, making sure that the sites are responding to queries. And, you know, it's just a day to day grind right now because we're we're going through a database lock. So when you when you came to get into clinical research, one of the things you talked about was um, not knowing kind of how it works on the back end and why, uh, say, a CRO would be concerned that you don't have experience because because of how that relationship works with um, the sponsors who are sponsoring this study. Um, do you feel like there was it just that lack of knowledge? Was that the main barrier? Or, or what were kind of the barriers you felt like, oh, man, this is really keeping me from engaging in this industry? Or, or now, at least when you're on the other side, you see it that way. So I know for a fact now that my resume was definitely a barrier, hmm. not really showing my transferable skills, not having the buzzwords and not really capturing all of my skills that I've had in previous experience. Like, you know, I worked at a hospital, so a lot of that information was not added. So I remember going on one interview and they said, we want someone that has patient experience. But mm -hmm. because I had worked in a hospital so long ago, I forgot to even add mm -hmm. my experience at a hospital. So it was just a lot of things that I left out. And I think a lot of times people do that also. You started a, uh, a really cool organization called Black Women in Clinical Research. Um, how did you start that 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 organization and, and what's what's its mission? Yes. So I went to an investigator meeting back in 2019 and in a room of 200, I would say, or 300 people, there were only two black women, including myself. Hmm. So it really made me question whether or not there was a lack of diversity in the room or if there was a lack of diversity in the industry. So this really all started with a Facebook group. I just wanted to connect with other black women at the time to see if we could share resources. And I never imagined that this would turn into a company. Mm -hmm. And so the mission of Black Women in Clinical Research is to educate, empower, support, and help Black women thrive in a clinical research industry. You said it's a company. So what do you, do you provide services? Do you provide community? Like what kind of, what's the, how does it actually work out? So we provide resume reviews, mm -hmm. interview prep, mock interviews, career coaching, resume writing, LinkedIn profiles, mm -hmm cover letters, biographies, pretty much whatever you need, because I'm terrible at writing. Hmm. So I've used all of the service myself hmm. just to make sure that, you know, especially the members are getting that level that we want them to have when it comes to their services and all of their questions are answered. So we really help people figure out their transferable skills and how that relates to the clinical research industry and using those buzzwords that a lot of times people don't know. Mm. If they're not in the clinical research industry. That, that's, I think that's, that's so amazing. Cause it sounds like some of the things you were saying that like, Hey, there's, here's some challenges. Uh, here's some things I face coming into clinical research. This organization is sort of focused on really solving those challenges very directly. Did you, did you anticipate when you started this little community group that it would, uh, become a, a, a business, an organization that impacts people's lives? Like, no, 
this this was news to me. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't expect this. No one could have ever told me that this is the direction that we were going in. You know, it just really started from an idea of just wanting to help other people and just coming together and making a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So as we grew and our numbers started to increase, the demand for the different services also increased. So mm-hmm. I really got to a point where I'm kind of looking at it and I'm saying, how can we help more people? So we also have Zoom meetings where we do every month. We talk about some of the different clinical research careers because a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't. A lot of people only know about being a CRA. Mm -hmm. So we want to pretty much talk about all of the careers that are under the clinical research umbrella to give everyone a broad perspective of what the industry has to offer. One of the challenges this industry faces is that there is a need for an increase of inclusion across the board. That's socioeconomic, that's uh, that's racial, it's global. It really is critical because the data that we're gathering is how well do experimental medications work in, in humans? And we're trying to extrapolate that data from clinical trials. To get that, it's like we have to represent the population of the world effectively And there's this huge push across the industry right now to drive inclusion forward. But very few people are doing what you're doing, which is starting something on the ground and then and then building it up and and launching people. And I think that's 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 um, kind of a really cool endeavor that is so necessary across the industry that you're you've kind of started. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, we talk so much about diversity But a lot of times it doesn't seem like people are really making strides in, you know, diversifying the clinical research workforce Mm -hmm. and diversifying the the clinical trial population. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, with me, I have so many different ideas and that it just seems so simple to do, you know, Mm -hmm. just thinking about how do we how do we get people to be engaged in the community when it comes to clinical trials Mm -hmm. by going to the people? You know, Mm -hmm. to me, you know, instead of waiting for participants to come to the clinic, Mm -hmm. you know, go to the community, uh, start some type of partnership, you know, Mm -hmm. go to the go to the fairs, go to the health fairs, Mm -hmm. tell people about their health first before we automatically introduce the idea of being involved in a clinical trial Mm -hmm. so that people know, okay. This is, you know, do like a a breast screening or, you know, talk about prostate, like different things that we can do where we can really engage the community and talk about it in social, I would say social activities where people feel comfortable. Because, you know, when you think about it, a lot of times people are not always comfortable when they go to the doctor's office. So meet people where they're comfortable at to have these conversations so that it makes it easy to, you know, so it's not where someone's like, oh my goodness, they're trying to get me involved in a clinical trial, you know, and it shouldn't be the first time you hear about a clinical trial should not be when you're in your doctor's office and they're saying, hey, sign on the dotted line. Right, right. Yeah, I lo- I love that that combination you're bringing of the level the experience at the site level, which is what are people's experience actually like getting signed up for a clinical trial at a site, and that experience of like, hey, this is this is how this community operates, and if you don't engage them in 
their concern and their interest in the way that they feel comfortable, then you're just going to, you're just going to keep missing them. And you're going to, you're going to go back to big meetings and say, Oh, we missed our recruitment numbers, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, (laughs) there's real reasons why that can be changed, but they take systematic change, I think in our, in, in our industry. Um, do you have a, do you have any like vision for, Oh gosh, I would love to see black women in clinical research get here. Like now that it started going, do you just think like it's already passed my wildest expectations? I don't know where it's going from here. Or do you, do you start to think, Oh, I'd love to see it go in this direction. I know for me, I know this is probably a big uh, goal or dream. I want to be on CNN talking about black women in clinical research, you know, just so that everyone knows about it. I feel Uh like clinical research is such a hidden secret. And a lot of times, you know, people don't know the people that are behind the scenes that are, Uh you know, involved in clinical trials and that a lot of times, especially with our group, that some of the monitors, some of the black women, the black men and the minorities are monitoring these clinical trials when it comes to COVID. So I I feel like people don't know this. They don't they don't Mm. they have no idea that we are involved in the process. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of the weird things about this industry I've found is it it feels like this giant multi-billion dollar secret (laughs) where when you tell someone you work in clinical research, they don't really know what you do. I mean, even, even even after COVID, I mean, COVID, I think, is drastically increases people's knowledge, like the broad public about like, oh, there are phases of clinical trials and there's approvals. Like there's a lot more knowledge, I think, now. But the, the practicality of like, what does a site monitor do? I mean, that's <laughs> I think an average person has no concept of even the pieces of your job if you described it to them. Do you find that teaching people about your work is part of the advocacy for this? I do. I always use my family as an example because <laughs> I realize a lot of times with the experience that I have with my family, I'm sure that a lot of other members have it. Mm-hmm. You know, with my family, they're anti-vaccine. So having the, conver- you know, for me to be involved in clinical research and, wow. you know, having those conversations with them, yep. it definitely makes it a challenge. And so, you know, yeah. with a lot of things that happened in the past, a lot of times my family brings that up. When I when I first mentioned that I was involved in clinical research, they were like, do you know about the Tuskegee syphilis study? So it's those conversations that I think that we really need to have with the community and let them know, yes, this is what happened in the past, but this is what's in place right now. And this Mm -hmm. is this won't happen in the future. And so in order to get past that point, we have to talk about those things. We have to talk about it in probably like an open forum. So people are aware and it's not, you know, because a lot of times people think, okay, I'm going to be a guinea pig. And, you know, so just kind of really pulling the layers back and yeah. figuring out where, you know, where we started and where we're going and how we can help people. And that, you know, a lot of times people don't, they don't connect the fact that a drug had to go through a clinical trial. So I know like, especially with my family, when I tell them, well, your aspirin that you, that you take, <laughs> yeah. it's gone through a clinical trial and they're like, no, it hasn't. So, you know, it's just yeah. people, people don't connect the two. Right. Right. It's sort of either out there and approved and safe or it's experimental. I, I would love to, to, to pivot here a little bit and think just about 
when you came into clinical research, you had to sort of fight to get your first position. And then once you got that, you began to build your career because you're intelligent, because you're talented, because you work hard, all the things that you've done. But then you've also started doing this suite of almost advocacy work to bring others along on that journey. Now that you're on the inside a little bit, has your perception of careers in clinical research shifted from what you were thinking it was several years ago when you were on the outside? Absolutely. Because, you know, at the time I only knew about being a CRA. So just uncovering, and I, I would say possibly discovering all of these different careers, it just has opened my eyes to the possibility, like the possibility is endless. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people think, okay, well, if I want to get to this high level, then I need to have all of these degrees. I have, I need to have the whole alphabet behind my name. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, and especially with the, the industry, they are promoting from within They want you to get to the next level. A lot of times I know, especially with my CRO, they, they ask me, what are, what are your interests? What, where do you see yourself? And they are genuinely concerned with the direction that you want your career to go. So I know, you know, on the outside, you know, especially if I'm thinking about this before, I never knew that. it was this way and that people are so willing to help you and to nurture you and for you to grow in your career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you've had um, mentors or people that have helped you kind of once you got into the industry to grow your career and guide your trajectory? I would say that I had mentors early on in my career, but I, at the time when I started Black Women in Clinical Research, I couldn't say, you know, pinpoint like this is a mentor that I had. It just really was starting to develop, you know, develop the Black Women in Clinical Research and creating mentors to mentor to mentor the the members in the group. Mm-hmm. So since I've been in the group, I have people that I reach out to and, you know, that have been helpful with like helpful with black women in clinical mm-hmm. research. Mm-hmm. But it, I would say that that's another area that this industry is lacking. We don't have a, a mentorship, you know, type of program where, you know, especially a lot of times in the clinical research industry, people feel like it's a competition, but there's so much opportunity for everyone mm-hmm. that you don't have to feel like you have to compete with anyone to yeah. get to the next level. Yeah. My perspective is there's so much opportunity in this industry. I mean, people are just so many companies are looking for talented people to do work. And one of the, I, I, one of the things I just want to reiterate that I really appreciate you're doing is you're enabling and empowering talented people to communicate their message in a way that's effective because that's so much of breaking into this industry is being able to say, here's why my skills are relevant to clinical research. Here's why my skills are relevant to this job and, and having that language to do that and having the network to help you know, Oh, when you say this, what you actually mean is this, this is how they'll hear that. And creating that network is I think, I think a really powerful mechanism, especially for people who maybe haven't always had that advocacy. Like I'm fortunate enough to have people who sort of see me and give me that guidance and leadership. Other people don't. And so I love that you've crafted a venue for that to happen. Can you uh, share any success stories from black women in clinical research off the top of your head or (laughs) that you have there? It's so many. Honestly, Noah, every single day we have 
people, members that post, I got the job. Mm. So just hearing people's journey and saying, you know what, thank you for providing this support. Thank you for providing this sisterhood because of you. I finally felt like I was good enough to apply for that higher level position Mm. and I got it. Or thank you for telling me that I should negotiate because now I've a- I've been able to double my salary. And so, you know, we so yeah, good. so yeah, so we've had, you know, it, it's it's getting to the point where it really makes our day when we can see that the members are actually taking the information, using the tools and the resources and applying that to their I would say I don't know, their situation or mm-hmm. applying that to their role so that they can get to the next level. But recently, I know we had members, of, I think one lady, she was a nursing assistant and she ended up getting a position as a project coordinator. And so she wow. pretty much double, I think a senior project coordinator. So she ended up, I think, almost close to doubling her salary. So we are changing people's lives financially, changing family lives because I know there was another situation where we had a, a husband and wife who were both able to secure a new job. So it just makes it where I know that this is necessary and needed for the industry. And I can't even tell you how rewarding it is to know that I'm helping people in this capacity. Wow. That's, that's so incredible. I just puts a huge smile on my face to, uh, to hear that. I mean, really, encouraging, incredible stories. Um, and I love that, that work that, that you and your team over there are doing. So we've talked a lot about the work you're doing there and your history of how you got here. What's, what's next for, for Danielle though? What, (laughs) where are you going? Um, do you see, do you have like a career trajectory at this time? I mean, or are there, is there, is there a direction you want to go or do you think, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I focus so much. I know this probably sounds crazy, but I focus so much of my attention on black women in clinical research. Sometimes I literally have to sit down and say, well, what am I, (laughs) you know, what am I going to do? Or, you know, so I, I would say that I need to do a better job of putting myself, you know, first and figuring out where I want to see myself. But I just know when it comes to you know, black women in clinical research. I want us to be the leader when it comes to where companies are looking for talent. Hmm. And if you're looking for a diverse talent, I want it to be like, hey, you know, here we are. uh, Come over to black women in clinical research, because I feel like it's one thing to talk about diversity, but it's another thing when you start to take action. Hmm. And it it comes from an idea to a plan to executing. So, That's really what I wanted to do. I didn't want it to be where we just keep talking or having conversations about Mm. increasing the diversity because that's just going to keep continuously going on if we just keep having those conversations. But if you don't have a plan to actually execute, then nothing is going to change. So we want to make a shift. And I think in this short amount of time that Black Women in Clinical Research has been, uh, since it's been created, we have helped probably over 200 people receive jobs. So I know that we are creating a shift and we want to grow. We want to, we want to, and we need the support from the CROs. We need the support from the pharmaceutical companies to reach more people and to help everyone reach their goals. If you have a goal of reaching, you know, having diverse candidates, come to Black Women in Clinical Research. (laughs) I love it. 
That that's 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 really incredible. Thank you for coming on the show today and sharing with us your history, uh, your insights um, from your journey, and about this incredible work you've been doing to um, create advocacy, create opportunities for people. I, I, it's it's pretty amazing, and so I'm really honored to have had you on today. Well, thank you so much, Noah, for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation, and thank you. Thanks for joining me on The Niche Podcast, your weekly summary of the top news in the biotech, pharma, clinical research, and life science industries. You can learn more at thenichepod.com or find us on your favorite podcast app. Like, comment, subscribe, and most of all, share with your friends. If you like what you hear, please rate and review. It really helps us. Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson. I'll see you next week. 